And welcome back. Uh, can I use your mic? DJ, hit me! This is the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Gary Hoffman. The problem, sir, is that our hero is not, uh, he's not a handsome man. Shannon Farron. The whole crowd banged together and started chanting. Gary and Shannon. That's how the show started. Set me free. Gary and Shannon, pick up I am 640, massive show today. It is Wednesday, which means what you watch in Wednesday. Gary has been ecstatic all morning because we're going to be talking about Westworld Season 2 and the secrets that will be revealed. I got my email. Did you get your email from I, Westworld yesterday? I did. I got my email. But I'm not going to be watching this season. I get more joy out of your recaps than I do the actual show. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth is going to be celebrating a 92nd birthday, but you may be surprised to find out how she's going to celebrate. Also, the Turpin siblings stuck in that house of horrors were learning about what they were allowed to eat. An axe throwing in the 12 o'clock hour. Axe throwing. It's a thing. On top of that, you got Dr. Wendy Walsh. We have Swamp How are we going to do this we're in gonna four do hours? It. We're going to do it. Look at this face. Do you know what this face says? Um, don't, don't be mean. <laughs> don't be mean. <laughs> All you have to say is you just open the door. I know. Huh? I know. Now I'm closing it. <laughs> it's closed. You know what this face says. We start though in Austin. We said yesterday that it was only a matter of time before authorities were going to be able to pinpoint exactly who this was because of surveillance video, because of the FBI and its capabilities when it comes to investigations surrounding the federal mail system. Yeah, we we got a guy. They got a guy is probably the better way to put it. Now he's uh, he's jelly because he has blown himself up before they could actually get a hold of him. Thank but, God. Uh, you mentioned this yesterday. The the package that exploded overnight in San Antonio or near San Antonio, and then another one that was found near Austin's airport at a sorting facility were both mailed. Uh, I should say delivered to a. FedEx facility there in the Austin area. All they had to do was find the surveillance video, which they did, shows this guy in a blonde wig with a hat on, carrying a couple of packages and wearing gloves while he was doing it. He looked very suspicious. He was a see-something-say-something person, according to that surveillance video. It was a bad wig. The gloves were weird. Where did you have to be under? What kind of rock did you need to be living in under in Austin area in Texas right. uh, and working at a FedEx facility not to know that you're on the hunt for a see something, say something guy. I can't imagine. Well, first of all, that guy comes in. I'm not touching his packages for, for one thing. No, you're not. And you're calling the police right away. Say, listen, I know that this is maybe weird, but I know we're on high alert. And this guy raised some suspicion. Sure. Here. Anyway, they found uh, they were able to identify him, at least get an idea of who he was based on that surveillance footage. They were then able to track him using cell phone triangulation and other crazy methods that you see on TV, I'm sure, and were able to track him to a Red Roof Inn. As they were waiting for backup, watching him last night, he gets into his car and he takes off and he goes down I-35, which is that highway that basically cuts right through the middle of Austin and up north towards Pflugerville and Round Rock, which is where he was living. 
He then, while being followed by uh, by the SWAT team, pulls over and blows himself up inside the car. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. It was when members of the SWAT team approached that he detonated that explosive device. The blast knocked one officer back. A second officer fired his weapon. This was the end I wanted to see. Uh, I didn't want this guy to be taken alive. I don't want information gleaned from him about uh, profiling purposes and everything else. We know who this guy is. Well, then let He's me- a white guy. He's in his early 20s. He's got too much mom time. And he rails against stuff online. We've seen this guy. We've seen this guy in action many, many times. You said too much mom time? Yes, too much time with mom. Look at Adam Lanza. I mean, there's a number of these guys who spent way too much time in mom's basement. Well, I think to add perhaps a, a tinge of sweetness to the poetry of the end, it would have been great if we find out that this was an accidental detonation. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit, nice. A little bit more... Sure poignant than if he meant to do this he accidentally had a package in the seat next to him and the thing blows up here's the problem they're not out of the woods yet people in round rock and pflugerville where this guy was from and the greater austin area they're not certain that there aren't more packages in the system police say we don't know where this guy has spent his last 24 hours and therefore we still need to remain vigilant to ensure no other packages or devices have been left to the community It's a terrifying thing. We mentioned that the two packages, the one that blew up in San Antonio and the one that was found near the airport, they both had Austin addresses on them. Can you imagine the knock on the door from your your local law enforcement agency that says, hey, uh, you guys didn't get any packages today, did you? No. Why? Well, your address was on one of the packages that blew up, so you would have been targeted by whoever this guy was. Well, and who's to say he stopped it sending them outside of Texas? Right. That's the other thing is, you know, this it, because this guy was still active. And like you said, they don't know where he was for the last 24, 36 hours. They're going to have to backtrack and make sure that he wasn't in there. They are digging into his motive as we speak. Uh, we do know what he liked to talk about online. We know his likes and dislikes. Uh, we know about the too much mom time. We know where he went to school and all of that, and we will be getting into that. All right. So we have just a whole lot to get into at the bottom of the hour. We're going to get into what you're watching Wednesday. The top of next hour, Chris Ann Carlo has been in Montecito and is going to give us an idea. By the way, it may not be raining very heavily in the valley right now. It was pouring rain when I left my house today. So it's just the difference of, say, you 20 miles. Thing. Oh No, no, I just mean that. It may look like there's okay? not a lot of rain right now here, but up there, it's been raining yeah. consistently and very, very hard. Scary stuff. A lot of people out of their homes. Hey, guess what? What? Jake in Little Rock. Yeah. Angela in San Clemente. Bob in Canyon Country. Wait a minute. You're naming people who have already won $1,000 from our contest. Right. I just wanted you to know that it's happening to our listeners. Excellent. Michael in Riverside. Leaf in Moreno Valley. They've all been winners of that $1,000 your chance to win $1,000 is coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. You got wisdom teeth problems? Meth mouth? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. 888-640-SMILE. We'll tell you how to win after this. Gary and Shannon. 
about this? There's an entire stack of money that we want to give away. Here's how you can win it. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. Remember to answer the phone even if it's from a number you don't recognize. Your next chance to win is just in the next hour. You have a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. right here on KFI Monday through Friday. Big news out of uh, Texas is that the serial bomber, the police uh, believe the guy responsible for sending out several package bombs to different parts of Austin, different parts of Texas, has died. He was uh, uh, being chased by SWAT team members overnight and detonated a bomb inside his own car and blew himself to smithereens. His hometown, Pflugerville, is about 25 minutes outside of Austin, and parts of his hometown are being evacuated. Officials say no one's being allowed into downtown and the neighborhood near this guy's home because of worries there may there may be bombs inside. Uh, around his home, by the way, you can imagine there was a huge police presence last night. They were flying drones over his home from about 9 p.m. until about 3 a.m. this morning. Jay Schultz is a guy who's lived in this neighborhood for 13 years. He says he was out jogging last night. He was stopped by police and asked about the bombings. He described the home over which the drones were flying as a weird house, a lot of people coming and going, a bit run down. One neighbor who spoke anonymously said, I know this is cliche, but I just can't imagine that. She said her kids grew up playing with this guy on Pfluger Street. The neighbor described him as a nice kid from a great family. Here's what we know about him. 23, 24 years old, depending on who you ask, homeschooled, and then went to Austin Community College. He received a degree from Austin Community College's Northridge campus, had worked at Crux Semiconductor in Austin as a purchasing agent, buyer, shipping, and receiving, according to a profile on job recruiting website. Uh, Before that, he worked as a computer repair technician. There are very few public social media posts under his name. Uh, His mother did post a picture a handful of years ago to commemorate her son's completing a high school level education. Just strange, because that would have been about, what, 23? 2013. Uh, She wrote this. I officially graduated Mark from high school on Friday. One down, three to go. He has 30 hours of college credit, too, but he's thinking of taking some time to figure out what he wants to do. Maybe a mission trip. Thanks to everyone for your support over the years. All right. Something broke in this kid uh, recently. Because of course, that's what happens when they get early 20s, right? That's when right. the uh, bad brain chemistry kicks in. It really uh, hits uh, lightning speed at that point. Now, he was the reason I asked about when he got whatever high school graduation or equivalent, whatever it was, was because that was about the time that he was writing a blog. And there were several different, I don't know if this was part of a class that he was doing this for. It almost looks like that. But he refers to uh, gay marriage, he refused to abortion, sex offender registrations, arguments for the death penalty. In the part where he describes himself, he says, I enjoy cycling, parkour, warning sign, 
tennis, reading, and listening to music. I'm not that politically inclined. I view myself as a conservative, but I don't think I have enough information to defend my stance as well as it should be defended. Interesting honesty there. The reasons I'm taking this class is because I want to understand the U.S. government, and I hope that will help me clarify my stance and then defend it. Again, proof to me that this blog postings that we've seen, these blog postings were part of a class that he was required to do. And you talk about specifically the hot-button topics. I mean, I find it hard to believe that somebody who's going to write a blog is going to just do gay marriage, free abortion, sex offenders, and death penalty. Those are, those Blame to the me, hits right there. God, those are That's clear. Like, uh, 80s talk radio. Right. Those are clear assignments <laughs> from some government teacher at, at the, either the community college or the high school. But he, I mean, I guess he lines up with what would be considered conservative stan- uh, conservative stances on these issues, considering he identifies himself that way. As for gay marriage, he wrote, homosexuality is not natural. Just look at the male and female bodies. It would be like trying to fit two screws together and two nuts together and then say, see, it's natural for them to go together. Okay. Uh, when it comes to government providing women with free abortions... He said, if you can't provide for a child, then don't have sex. The sex offender registry. That's the part I don't get. Subject. Now, this guy has a clean record, according to what uh, we know about him. So it's not like he was on the sex offender registry and was arguing against it. But he was talking about sex registries where someone is required to register as a sex offender for the rest of their life, basically, and tell um tell parole officials or or prison officials when it is that they're going to move. He he says in his blog post from six years ago, this sounds perfect for a serial rapist or pedophile, but it's not such a great idea if something as trivial as public indecency or streaking can be put on the registry right alongside them. Well, and I've got to uh, agree that streaking should not be something that you uh, have to register as a sex offender for your entire life. I mean, you did it at Chico State. Yeah, but I was never caught. Okay, good point. Fair point. So, If you're dumb enough to be caught, then you deserve to be signed up to the registry. Possibly. I mean, the the argument for the death penalty is that dead criminals don't recommit crimes. Yeah, he said living... I mean, that's not very nuanced. Living criminals harm and murder again. Executed ones do not. So, but again, imagine that he's writing these when he's 16 years old, yeah. or 17 years old. So that that makes perfect sense that yes. the arguments are kind of half-assed in there and not very nuanced. Not a lot of math shown. No. Um, so all of these, you know, this is The homosexuality is what- thing is uh, interesting to me because he seemed very upset about this, which means to me he was maybe a repressed homosexual. He's dealing with some of his dealing with, demons yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Doth protest too much. The problem is that that's really the beginning of his social media life. That That's what we know about him is this blog post that came from six years ago. In terms of what he's been doing recently, that's what it is that the investigators are trying to figure out now. Not just the last 24 hours because of the importance of finding whether or not he had any more packages in the system, but what has he been doing in the last year? What has been going on in his life that may have been warning signs that were missed And what possible motive could he have for what he was doing? What made him feel like he was a victim in all of this, that he had to strike out against other people?
So all of that has yet to be figured out. Coming up next, what you watching Wednesday. You know what I finished last night was uh, American Crime Story about the murder of Versace. I had no interest in that. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so what I loved about it well, was... Well, don't tell me now. we got to do it on what you watching Wednesday. Okay. We'll do it when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. The following program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. Well, if you're watching cable news networks, you know that the Trumps like to have sex with women who are gorgeous. (laughs) Okay. Because... The networks are all covering that. Huh, who knew that money... Rich guys! ...attracts hot women? No way! Breaking news. Okay, before the break, I was telling you about American Crime Story. Yes, on What You Watching Wednesday, by the way, we talk about all of our TV habits and what's going on on the TVs. So we covered this FX series when it first... The season one, because it's all about the OJ trial. Oh, right. And we all kind of lived through that, and we remembered certain things, didn't remember certain things, or didn't know about certain things. It was fascinating. Um, this one was about the murder of Gianni Versace, and I had not paid attention to this when it happened. I did not know it happened, kind of. I had a vague memory of Versace being murdered, but uh, it wasn't really in my line of vision when it happened. I wasn't really paying attention. It is such a well-done show that it made me care. It made me care about the evolution of a criminal and uh, about the the relationships between young men and older gay men in the late 80s, early 90s, and how that world worked, something I also didn't know about. Um, And it's just really interesting. And it's kind of a love letter to Versace and his family. I know the family was upset, called it mostly fiction, and they didn't want the attention on what had happened. But it's it's very well done in terms of how they they treated the family. Uh, Edgar Ramirez as Johnny Versace, Darren Chris as Andrew Cunanan. Is that Ricky Martin, Penelope Cruz are in this? It was really well done. That's all I can say. It, it's a great show. And Jason Nathanson, we had him on before the season began. He said it's a great show to binge. I couldn't agree more. It's very addictive in that way. It's only eight. It's only eight shows, so it's only eight hours. But it's worth it, huh? Absolutely. Uh, yesterday, I got my first email from Aiden at uh, the Delos Corporation. That's why you have that extra spring in your step. Yeah, uh, that is, for those of you who signed up for Westworld's uh, fake website, the Delos Corporation, which is supposed to be the c- company that owns what is Westworld, they send you updates every every once in a while. And the first ones that came out were just basically, hey, plan your Westworld vacation, and it would show you the different options that somebody in the show might actually go through before they end up in this place, wherever it happens to be. Remember how expensive they were? It was like $13 million <laughs> for a seven-day vacation to right. this place. But you could also you could also um, basically toggle on and off different choices for what you wanted your vacation to be like. Anyway, uh, things started going haywire. As you know, in the first season of the show, the robots start basically fighting back, if you want to call it that. So we don't know where we're going. Like, we don't know what the second season is about, except we know that there is something called Samurai World there because they rode, you know, they walked through an area that showed samurais getting ready for Samurai World. Uh, yes, we are so excited right now. We don't now. know if Maeve comes back and fights on behalf of the robots, or maybe she and Dolores 
uh, they end up on opposite sides of this. You know, it's it's just it's all up in the air. So the very simple thing is the, the simple questions that come up are where is this going to take place? For example, is this back in Westworld or is this sort of the wider universe of Westworld plus Samurai World plus Ancient Roman World? Plus, I mean, all of these different worlds that are possible to be in. And what sort of context or what sort of cognition well, the feeling, do the robots have? The feeling I got at the end of the season, season one, stop me if I'm wrong because you're the connoisseur, but it was that the robots were going to fight back. The robots didn't want to be treated like this anymore. They started right. to become more human with each uh, with each storyline, and, and they were getting more human. They didn't like rich people coming to their world and harassing them and raping them and all of that. So it was going to be like the robots fight back. But then the leader of Westworld, Anthony Hopkins, was going to have this different vision for the next incarnation of Westworld. And what will that be? You know what I mean? It's going to be the robots fighting back, probably. The same thing we saw with, like, Handmaid's Tale, with the the maids fighting back. Like, season two for all these shows is going to be the disenfranchised fighting back. Well, and then what happens with Arnold slash Bernard? What door? Because, right, I mean, that that whole scene of what door? What's behind this door? What's behind What door? What door? Ah! He didn't even see it. Here's the thing. Is he going to fight on behalf of the humans? Because he, for the longest time, he thinks he's a human. Believed that he was, but he's not. Well, he made that realization late in the season. Spoiler right. alert: that he is one of the hosts, mm-hmm. one of these robots. Mm-hmm. I just so there's there's plenty to be resolved here, and I think the weirdest thing that they did was they didn't give you an indication of the answers to these questions about where it's going to be, what happens to Maeve, what happens to Dolores. And will we ever see Anthony Hopkins again? Does he come back as a robot? Because, I mean, this guy was crazy, a, a crazy genius in that he made his best friend, okay? Mm-hmm. He made his best friend into a robot in the Arnold slash Bernard character. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that he would make a host of himself, Sure, right? sure. Uh, so... If he was prescient enough to know that the robots that I he love the created, word prescient. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad I could Use. give you that gift. Um, but he knew that the robots would eventually try to fight back. Because so he must have he must have thought ahead and 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 made a host of himself. He put that that memory. Remember, he called them reveries. He, yes. he put those in there reveries. so that every time they would wake up and reboot, they would have just traces of memories of what they had previously done Mm -hmm. that's why teddy for example remember teddy james marsden he's a robot but we didn't find that out until you know i think three episodes in or something like that and then realized that everybody that we're looking at is probably a robot in all of this was he the hot one i don't yeah james James yeah Yeah, he's adorable yeah Wow. Thanks Blake. for clearing that up, Blake. Like that was it's very quick. Right. It's not subjective. It's a fact. <laughs> sure. Question. He is a good looking guy. I have a side question. Yeah. Um, what was that thing on their website, that like riddle thing that we were trying to solve that we never broke into? Do you remember when we spent like half a day trying to do that? <laughs> no. God. But, but that's that, great the radio. Whole, the whole I, well, I, trying, like no, I was trying to remember what it was because I thought it had to do with the uh, the um, samurai world and the all that. The whole website is like that. Uh, yeah. In that there's little clues and hints into everything that you do when you click on their website. So if if you're if you're familiar with the show and you want to lose time, that's a good way to do it. Just look on the website, yeah. and start clicking you around. You can go down that hole for hours. <clears throat> anyway, season two 
premieres on HBO April 22nd for Westworld. It what it also adds to the anticipation is it's been 18 months since the finale when Dolores put a hole in the back of Dr. Ford's head. I feel like you've got a day and an hour count attached to that month count. No. No. Coming up, we have a birthday to celebrate. Yes. In an unusual way for this individual, I would say. Okay. Who? Well, it's Queen Elizabeth. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's turning 92. Gary and Shannon will continue with What You're Watching Wednesday. Shannon, top of the hour, Chris and Carlo is going to join us. We're going to get an update uh, from out in Santa Barbara County. It has been raining very hard in some areas. In fact, uh, right through the West Valley, Thousand Oaks and Simi Valley, there's a pretty thick band of, uh, of showers coming through. So if Evacuations were, definitely in effect. Thousands of people have been ordered out of their homes. Looks like the 101 basically from Carpinteria all the way through... You know, where it turns into the 134 out to Pasadena, it is heavy, heavy rain all along that corridor. Also keeping our eye on news out of Austin. Of course, the serial bomber uh, blew himself up last night. The family of this guy is going to be issuing a statement at some point today, reportedly. Austin police say this family is going to be expressing their condolences to those affected by the bombings. When you say affected, you know, those people that have been killed and maimed. Detectives say the family was not involved in the explosion, has been extremely cooperative. It was this morning when this bomber took his own life after a SWAT caught up with him and was approaching the vehicle. Quick side note to tie that to our What You Watch on Wednesday. You and I have talked repeatedly about our love for the TV show Friday Night Lights. Yes. Remember that theme song? Oh my gosh, stop it right now. <laughs> um, Friday Night Lights was filmed in and around Austin. And in fact, uh, the Dillon Panthers is the uh, was the team uh, that Coach Taylor first took on at the beginning of the show. They used to film that in Pflugerville. In fact, the P on the football, football field. field at the beginning of that show was a P for Pflugerville. They were also happened to be the, their nickname is the Panthers, but Pflugerville High School is exactly. Uh, in there. Anyway, uh, Friday Night Lights, also the, the creator of Friday Night Lights, is um, has something to do with this TV show called Rise on NBC. I watched the first episode. My wife watched it last night. And what was her review? She said, I would love it. Yeah, I think you would, too. It, it's done in the exact same style that Friday Night Lights was done in. Um, I didn't get the same feeling I got on the first episode of Friday Night Lights where I just knew I was going to love it, but that's because it was more about football and I love anything football right. with emotions. <laughs> um, and this has that too. And it also has a degree of, of, of the drama club aspect to it. And I, I think, I think you dig it. I think, I think we should watch it and talk about it on Wednesdays. You think so? Maybe just I mean, I'll idea. give it a shot. I mean, we but... watched the freaking bachelor. That is a good point. You know point. what I mean? We wasted how many weeks of our lives watching the ultimate scum on the bottom of the shoe of reality television? To go back to The Bachelor, by the way, mm-hmm. Ari says the reason he broke up with Becca on camera was so that she would be tapped as the next Bachelorette. He's a horse's ass, and I don't want to hear from him for the rest of my life. <laughs> I've got good news. Yes! Queen Elizabeth 
is going to be celebrating her, her 92nd birthday next month, and preparations are already underway. Uh, did you, Nick, I know you're new around here, but did you get uh, Queen Elizabeth on the phone? I, I gave you her number, right? I sent she her is a, standing by. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I sent her a text earlier. Yeah. So. Buckingham Palace. Liz. Oh, boy. This is third gin of the day humming. Liz. Liz, come to me. Oh, hello. Are we having a little bit of stress planning for our birthday, so we're hitting the bottle a little bit more than oh, usual? absolutely not my job to plan these things. It's nice being the queen, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, so what do you have planned? Ah, well, for one thing, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take Megan, my gr- brand-new granddaughter-in-law. She will be very soon. We are going to uh, do a fertility test to make sure that she can give me some great-great-grandbabies. Are you serious right now? That's a little weird, isn't it? It's, there's a lot of weird things that go on when you're part of the royal family. Well, and Kate's already having her, th- popping out her third baby. Yes, but have you seen those babies? They look a lot like their father. And uh, not to say that, uh, that William is not a handsome man, but he's not what most people in the world would consider a handsome man. So your family's kind of like the mountain lions. Oh, yes. Just we need to get We need to get a tunnel somewhere over London to make sure that we have some... Good quality, capable mating. Mm. Mm. So, what's going on at the birthday celebration oh, after you do the fertility test? Very fun things. We're going to do a ninety-second birthday for myself, which is wonderful. Uh, and I have asked some wonderful people like uh, Sting, Sir Sting, uh, Sir Tom Jones. Uh, let's see, Anne Marie, who I thought was dead, but apparently not. Uh, Kylie Minogue and one of my favorites. I think uh, I think your boy there has a, a, some Sean Mendes ready to play. My that, my boy, your boy, like What's Blake. Oh right, Blake, royal name Blake. I won't lie to you. I know he's just not right for you. Take you for a Sean Mendez gal. That he can. I, oh, he's a, he's a he's a one of my royal subjects. He's from uh, from Canada, so he's part of the crown. If you know, when you say he's one of your subjects, yes. you just mean like he he's he, he's yeah. Yes. Oh, he's I believe underneath he, you. Well, yeah. Underneath your umbrella. Correct. Not locked in my closet. That would be awkward. Okay. I have different subjects for that. Yes. Oh, really quick before I let you go. Did you hear about uh, the the wage disparity between the the woman who plays you? Yes, Claire Foy, yeah. wonderful, beautiful young woman. Right, and that Prince William making more right. money. Yes, that guy is a horse's ass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the real one or the guy who plays him? Yes. And, I mean, he had a resume which was much longer than Claire's. But I tell you what, Claire is a wonderful, beautiful young woman. She's going to make a bazillion pounds from now on. Well, Liz, uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you on the big day because you always make time for us. But we really appreciate that uh, that you checked in with us today. And we appreciated your musical treat that you provided us oh, with. Oh, you're welcome. Say you call any time. We'll be here. I promise I won't let you down. 
Just know that you don't have to do this alone. Promise I'll never let you down. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, keeping our eyes on all the latest developments coming out of the Austin serial bombings. Two people killed over the past two or three weeks, several more injured. Guy blew himself up this morning, and we're learning more about his past. His family at some point today going to make some sort of statement to offer condolences. He was homeschooled. He railed against homosexuality and abortions and sex offender registry lists, all of that uh, online. We're going to be getting into more of that coming up at 1 o'clock. Big story locally, though, is the storm that has been rolling through Southern California is going to be with us at least for a couple of more days, possibly. Chris Ann Carlo has been stationed up in the Montecito area after the uh, the evacuation orders that came down yesterday. Chris, is it really barren out there? Is there a lot of people that have uh, picked up and left? Yeah, most people uh, on out of here, the few people that I've run into, they tend to be like contractors that are, you know, just checking on property, uh, which is something that I saw during the Thomas fire as well. And then also you've got a few people. And when I say few, I mean, you can probably count them on two hands who have decided to stick with things, uh, even though they're pretty close to the old debris flow area. Right now, as a matter of fact, I'm standing above the Montecito Creek. I'm on a bridge uh, that has been close to traffic since that January 9th incident because of just... Uh, structural deficiency that was caused by the debris flow. And as I look around here, I may remember being here just days after, uh, in the days after that mud flow and seeing houses where right now there is just completely nothing where they've been able to clear some of the space out and then the remnants of the homes that were destroyed by the debris flow still standing on the other side of the creek. Uh, and it's remarkable to see just how much has been cleaned up and how little has been cleaned up. Uh, it, it's an interesting dichotomy between the two. You can probably hear in the background the, the rushing of the Montecito Creek. I'm going to hold the microphone out here just for a second so you can get a sense of this. All right, so it's uh, it is well within its its channel. It's well within its boundary, but it's definitely picked up some steam. Now, the good news here over the last uh, about half hour, the skies have lightened a little bit. That's just a temporary break, from what I understand, in terms of the forecast. Uh, all morning long, it's been basically just these thick dark clouds hanging just above the uh, just above the ground. Can't even see the San Ynez Mountains in the background and uh, it had been dropping just, you know, big fat raindrops and uh, buckets at a time. Uh, picking up a little bit as I'm talking on the uh, on, on the phone with you guys right now. It was January 9th when the mud and debris flow uh, roared through those Montecito neighborhoods, lifted homes off of their foundations in the middle of the night, killing uh, 21 people. Has the USGS made any predictions about mud flow this time around? Uh, it's almost a certainty. As a matter of fact, I was looking this morning, I went to grab a cup of coffee, and, you know, Starbucks always has the local newspapers uh, right next to the checkout, and I was looking down at one of the newspapers, and it didn't say uh, perhaps a mud flow. It said residents prepare for the inevitable mud flow, and that was the headline bannered across the, the uh, front page up here. Um, the fact of the matter is it's going to happen. We're going to see debris come down here at some point. 
if the forecast holds true to form. Because what they're talking about here is 5 to 10 inches of rain in the foothills. They're saying that we could see uh, rain rates up to three-quarters of an inch per hour. Perhaps if a thunderstorm, uh, a cell moves right over these foothills, we could see an inch of rain per hour. It only takes a half inch of rain per hour to trigger a debris flow, especially considering the fact, and the phrase that I've heard over and over again is locked and loaded, that these mountains have just all of this soil, all of this debris that's ready to come on down the hills. And it's just a matter of the right amount of rain in the right amount of time. So if this storm drops rain at less than a half inch of rain per hour, then perhaps we will be out of the woods. But if it picks up beyond that rate, that's where uh, they're really worried that we could see this debris start to chug on down the hill again. And, you know, looking at the Montecito Creek, I mean, as it stands right now, it's roaring compared to what it typically is, uh, but it is well be, uh, within what it was on January 9th. And to give you a little bit more of a comparison, I was down here a couple of weeks ago when we were afraid again of uh, a mud flow, and then nothing compared to what it is right now. And we're still early in this storm. They're saying the worst of this is going to hit uh, this evening on into the overnight hours, and that's, uh, that's what we're all kind of holding our breath about. Are there sandbags? I mean, is there is there uh, visual evidence of people preparing for the worst here? Yeah, you know, not further up the creek where I'm at because everybody's just been out of Dodge for a long time and their homes are destroyed. They can't live here. But as you move further on down Olive Mill Road, especially down by Montecito Inn, uh, I was talking to a guy. He was taking boulders out of his front yard, boulders that had been flushed down the creek by the last debris flow, putting them in a wheelbarrow, moving them down to the street in front of his house. And as they did that, he was building a, a wall uh, along the driveway and the sidewalk to stop the debris flow from coming back into his house again. He, he said he had a couple feet of mud in his front yard. He wanted to stop that. So he was using Mother Nature, everything that she had brought down, in order to keep it out of his house. And uh, and I was talking. I'm like, man, are you going to stick around? He's like, yeah, you know, that last time we saw some mud come, come into my front yard, but we think we're in pretty good shape down here. He's only probably about three or four blocks away from the Pacific Ocean. So I could see why he had faith in that. But uh, that is where you see a lot of people preparing all the way down at the bottom of Olive Mill where, uh, where the dirt flow moved on down through, but not with the ferocity at where I'm standing right now. Yeah, there are some people that have had to evacuate three, four times since that January tragedy, and I assume they're getting quite good at evacuating and understanding all of the weather patterns and, and how it can affect them. Yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable the way people are, I guess, just kind of reacting to this and learning how to deal with this as normal. Um, and it's a sad state of affairs as well because they, they thought the way that this winter was trending that perhaps they were going to kind of sidestep this bullet. Everybody knew once everything burned uh, during the Thomas fire that this was going to be a massive problem. And as we had that, you know, really dry after January, dry February, they said, OK, maybe just January 9th was the worst and we can move on past all of this. And now we're seeing yet again uh, just more and more rain coming down. The 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 uh, I guess the contrast, though, that really struck me last night as I was driving in, um, you know, there was only a little bit of rain, not too much. I saw some stars. I was kind of optimistic about that before I checked into my hotel. But you know, as I'm driving up the 101, all these places that had been covered in mud, the thing that struck me was how nice it smelled. It smelled like, you know, orange blossoms everywhere. It was just gorgeous. I'm driving my car. I felt like I was in a perfume shop. And, and the reason that struck me is because almost every single time I've been up here, it's either smelled like smoke or there has been just like something. Something foul 
in the air. And it was a little bit different because you could tell that the seasons had turned. And even though the seasons had turned, now we're talking about winter moving on into spring. These people are still dealing with this. And they're tired. Everybody I've talked to is exhausted of evacuating and moving on out. And not just them. I mean, even people I talk to in hotels are like, yeah, we're in evacuation mode again. Hey, we're sold out everywhere across the board because, yet again, everybody's got to get out of their house. Yeah, it's been three months of a reoccurring nightmare. Chris and Carlo, excellent stuff. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. I've been watching uh, the radar pretty closely through this morning just because I'm curious about when and where it's going to hit. I mean, in the valley right now is when we're seeing a lot of the heaviest rain in the area that's falling right now. But if you go back and look at what the storm has brought just in the last day and a half or so, down near LAX, they recorded about a tenth of an inch of rain so far. But in areas just above Santa Barbara and Montecito, they've already seen an inch and a half. And they're saying that could reach between four and six inches by the time this thing rolls through on Friday afternoon. We will keep an eye on it for you here at KFI News throughout this storm. It's supposed to be the strongest to hit Southern California yet this year. All right. Your chance to win $1,000 is coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Tennel. Rank teeth. Rank. Meth mouth. Stank mouth. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Triple eight six forty smile Keep listening. We'll tell you how to win right here on the Gary and Shannon Show. Shannon, trying to stay dry today on this uh, very stormy Wednesday, but this might make you feel better. We got a pile of cash that you can win. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword cash to 200 200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200 200. And not too long ago, this happened. Somebody called Michael in Riverside and they said, Is this Michael? And he said, Yes. And they said, You won $1,000. And yep. he was like, Seriously? They a also thousand? called Jake and Little Rock, yeah. Angela and San Clemente, Bob yeah. and Canyon Country, Leaf and Moreno Valley. Because These are all local people, listeners that have won the thousand dollars. They answered the phone as well. If yeah. you get a call within the next hour from a number you don't recognize, it might be someone telling you you won a thousand dollars. If you don't win this time, though, we have another chance one hour from now. In fact, a chance to win a thousand dollars an hour from five a.m. seven p.m. every weekday right here on KFI. We now know what those 12 out of the 13 Turpin kids were forced to eat inside that house of horrors with those uh, monster parents. We're going to get to that story coming up after Amy's news at the bottom of the hour. But Orange County supervisors have voted to spend more than $70 million to house the homeless in tent cities, basically. Camp shelters in three communities, Irvine, Laguna Niguel, and Huntington Beach. This would all be on county-owned land, and what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) People who now live in those three areas are crying foul. Because they know, they know what's going on here. It's It's just a problem shift. It's not a solution, it's a shift. Rob Howard is an office manager in Irvine. He says, this freaks me out. I moved to Orange County because I thought it would be a safe place. Now it's getting more and more like L.A. And that's a good point that Rob makes, because people pay a lot of money to live in Orange County. 
because they're always on the safest cities in America list, because Irvine's always up there. And now you're going to be putting tent cities filled with people who are rejecting mental health treatment in near nearby neighborhoods where you've spent a bunch of money to, to raise your family. Yeah, I this is one of those issues that uh, we've said before, whether it's Orange County or Los Angeles, it is uh, almost untenable because the government simply cannot figure out what to do. It just it's it's a problem with. No solution, it appears. And even as great a work has been done by community groups that have been trying to uh, serve the homeless population, by even the federal judge who finally lit a fire under Orange County uh, officials to try to get something done, the problem is just it's squishy. You know, you push one thing down and another issue pops up or you push them out of one area and 200 tents pop up on a on property near Great Park or something like that. Or in this case, the city of Irvine. Well, the city of Irvine has voted to take legal action against its own county to stop the creation of this homeless encampment near the Orange County Great Park. And Todd Spitzer was the only one. He's the only supervisor who votes no uh, on Monday night for this plan to create the temporary homeless camps. And he even says, this is a great quote. This is one of the biggest acts of betrayal I've ever seen as an elected official. We're going to take the problem and we're going to push it into your cities. When the city of Irvine, they didn't sign up for this. They didn't raise their hands and go, hey, yeah, we'd love to make sure that we put on, uh, you know, a couple hundred million dollars worth of problem constituents. The city doesn't have a plan to deal with this. You can't just dump a big problem like this. You're right. Without the city having a plan on how to deal with it, whether it's increased police patrols, whether it's more secure, it's just not right. It's the county doing this. Okay, not our problem anymore. Let's just wash our hands out of this. And you knew this was going to happen. You knew this was going to happen when the county said, oh, let's get up on our high horse. We will get motels for all the homeless. It's like, okay, well, how long is that going to last? Oh, 30 days. Well, and then what? And then what? And then Apparently, too many cooks in the kitchen down there. Too many cooks in the kitchen leads to, oh, we'll just plant them all in Laguna Niguel and Irvine and Huntington Beach. Are you crazy? There's I'm, got to be a, a better solution. Well, there are plenty of people who are crazy about this whole thing and don't have uh, well-thought-out positions. I mean, just simply shouting into the wind that expensive housing is the problem is not a solution. Um, uh, L.A. Mayor Garcetti, though, has a brilliant and somewhat um, sane position that L.A. can end street homelessness in a decade. Oh, my God. I said that without giggling. Yeah, he does this. He is. I don't know why. And I've always maintained that Eric Garcetti is a very smart man, road scholar and the like. But when he says things like this, he sounds very dumb. When he says things like, there will be zero hit and runs in Los Angeles. That's our goal. There will be zero homeless people in Los Angeles. You sound insane. You sound like all those people that come out in the wake of these terrible mass shootings and say, we're never going to have one of these in Broward County again. It's just not logical. Instead of going into unicorn land and pretending that you're going to eradicate problems, how about just taking baby steps to make some progress? How about this? In his world, all you have to do is change the name. You know how to end homelessness? Stop calling it homelessness. And then you don't have any homeless people anymore. You have unsheltered peoples. That's the term he's using, unsheltered peoples. He wants to cut the city's 
unsheltered population in half over the next five years to reduce it to something called functional zero by the year 2028. Functional zero. You remember five years ago when he ran, he said, we are going to eradicate, we are going to end chronic homelessness. And that by 2015, we were going to find housing for all of our homeless veterans who we owe a humongous debt of gratitude to. Uh, That didn't work. And by 2016, we are going to find housing for our city's homeless veterans. That didn't work. Five years from now, we're going to not call them homeless. We're going to call them unsheltered persons. And therefore, there's no more homeless people. Coming up next, inside that Turpin house of hell with the kids chained up, left in their own waste. We're now figuring out what they were uh, fed. We'll tell you all about it. Yeah, never pick up, never call me. You know you're running out of time. Never pick up when you want me. Now I gotta draw a line. Baby, I don't know Gary and Shannon. You're about Joe Biden. Looking more like a contender for 2020. Or uh, a guy reliving his uh, high school glory days from the 1950s. Talked to a college crowd and told them he would have beat the hell out of Trump in high school for disrespecting women. We'll talk more about that and the chances for him for 2020 coming up when we talk Swamp Watch in about an hour from now. I don't know. Joe Biden in the late 50s was in high school. So is he suggesting that he was so woke when he was uh, 17 years old that he would have beat up a rich kid for making fun of a girl? Or uh, I find that hard to believe. Maybe he's just talking about if he was in high school now. I don't if know. If he was today. I, I like Joe Biden. I have a hard time knocking a guy who's gone through that much. By the way, I mean? he uh, and uh, that in that context, we'll talk more about this at uh, 1230 when we get into Swamp Watch. But I think in terms of. His appeal to voters, the more he comes across as the calm, grandfatherly type, which is the way he's got to run a con, uh, he's got to, he's got to run that campaign, uh, that I think is going to win over a lot of people. Especially if he's got teeth, the way he had with that, that crowd. Oh, he's got fake teeth. Don't worry. No, no, no. I mean, teeth, oh, you, you mean know, real like teeth? Like, his teeth. Like, like, that yeah, teeth. like a little bite. Got it. All right. Well, we're hearing more about what went on inside the Turpin household. ABC News did an exclusive interview with a guy by the name of Mark Ufer, CEO of the Corona Regional Med Center. This is the med center that had cared for the seven adult siblings since the family was found out in the middle of January. He says that he has learned that these siblings, these adult siblings, hate peanut butter because they were systematically starved and tortured for years and subsisted mostly on peanut butter sandwiches no jelly that's that is important to point out isn't that called a peanut butter and jelly sandwich mark when you wait when you talk about peanut butter sandwiches peanut butter and jelly is that yeah you got to have the jelly in there or else it gets too dry right it's too, yeah okay uh, he told ABC News, we essentially adopted these kids. We recognized that they were in a bad place when they came here. In the first hours of what would become a two-month-long stay at the hospital, the staff member rallied around these kids uh, to buy them clothes, out of, money out of their own pockets. The clothes that the, the Chirping kids came in with, by the way, were so foul 
that they had to be destroyed. I mean, burned. Like, the, it was disgusting. The, the stench traveled. They were so underweight that they all required children's clothes. They were sequestered into their own large room, which was guarded 24 hours a day. If you imagine, I mean, it seems like every time the interest in the story sort of waxes and wanes. I mean, every once in a while we'll see an interview like this with with Mark from the from the medical center or uh, a neighbor who may have known them or a relative of some kind. It go, it will go in sort of fits and starts in terms of the information that we get about them. But that even in those moments where we find out information about them, each one surprises us even more. I mean, we knew about how deprived, depraved, I guess, the conditions were inside that home. But Mark uh, Ufer, Ufer, Ufer says that these kids didn't even know what shoes were. Like they, they, they were never owned them. Adults with raw intelligence but zero world experience. They didn't know how to wash their hair, brush their teeth, use money. Didn't know about a seatbelt, sidewalk, stop sign. Uh, they regarded their first tomato, he puts it, with the kind of suspicion reserved for an alien object. Yeah. Berries. They didn't know what berries were. In fact, they didn't even believe that you were supposed to eat those things until Mark says to them, no, no, no I, I eat this stuff every day for breakfast. It's, it's totally fine. It's good for you. They... um. We know about the fact that they would be starved routinely. They were shackled to to their beds. They wouldn't be allowed to go to the bathroom. They would be punished for washing above their wrists. And we they didn't know things like like shoes. Like I said, I mean the the staff there at the Corona Regional Medical Center were the ones who bought these kids their first pairs of shoes. Mark Ufer uh, doesn't just uh, run this medical center. He plays guitar. He brought one in to show the siblings. He said they had never seen one before, maybe on television or pictures, but to actually physically hold a guitar that was heartwarming to watch them. They didn't know what to do with it, but they liked the sounds it made. The siblings began tinkering, he says, and within a short time, they'd mastered a couple of chords each. Yeah, wow, I think that, insane. that goes to what he was talking about, that raw intelligence, but with a, just a complete lack of, of real-world experience in what it is that they are going to need to do. They talk about, um, if if you've seen orphans, you know, the, they're sort of a stereotype of orphans that when they eat, they hoard their food because yeah. they don't know when they're going to get another. And they'll eat with their arm, yeah. you know, around the bowl of whatever and their head tucked down and just eat and eat and eat until it's uh, until it's gone to the point of sickness sometimes. It's almost the behavior that they're experiencing because they're afraid that they're going to get stuff taken away from them, whether it's the shoes or the new clothes or the toys or the books that they've gotten for the first time. They're afraid that it's going to all go away years, because that stuff was taken away from them before. Years of work. That's what it's going to take to develop the skills that these adult siblings need, adult children almost, and we've talked about the research that shows what happens when you don't learn certain skills before adolescence and how that affects your, your lifelong development. And, you know, I'm sure many psychologists will be interested to see how how this progress goes, hopefully. Uh, they talk about the time that they spent at the hospital, obviously. 
the day that the public guardian, the, the court supervised person that was going to take care of them, took them away to live in their first real home back into a, an environment that wasn't a hospital, they kept slipping out of the vehicles and trying to sneak back into the hospital. Interesting. Because that was the place that they associated with being safe, being protected, yeah. being surrounded by people who cared for them and who had legitimately come to like them and enjoy them and give them things. Yeah, and probably also an aspect of that was they didn't spend life moving around a hell of a lot. I mean, they stayed in the home. Like yeah. For them, staying in one place for days is normal. Years of work, like you said. All right. Um we have mentioned before how crazy uh, Bay Area politics is, Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, Bay Area, because we both spent plenty of time there. Now the city of San Francisco is looking at outlawing animal fur. Like no animals with fur can hang out in San no, no, Francisco? No, 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 no. Like you can't sell it. <laughs> you can't sell a fur coat anywhere. And there is a logical progression here which should make you angry. My mother has a fur coat from her mother, a real fur coat, and will not wear it. Smart. In the Bay Area because she's afraid. I'm not allowed in San Francisco. No, I know you're not. Straight white not guy? Not with all of that. Straight white guy's not allowed in San Francisco anymore. Mm-hmm. They they kick you out at the county line right there. Boom. I was lucky when I went to that Giants game back in May. Well, you went in disguise. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon. Gee, a little too fast there or something? Yeah, I apologize. school football locker room over here uh we uh we do have our baby animal bracket by the way bet your sweet bottom we do and if you go to the website kfiam640.com and use the keyword gary and shannon you'll see right there a couple of matchups for you to vote on get into our first round of voting see which uh which animal is going to come out i'm sorry which baby animal is going to come out on top this year we got to get some printable brackets up in here just to keep track well, have you filled out your bracket yet? Yeah, like two weeks ago. Oh, you did? Don't lie. I didn't print one out yet. I didn't I didn't fill it out. Blake caught me. I, we were busy. We were doing handle show, and that's yeah, what I was no, thinking about. It's it. true. It's true. We have not given on. the baby animal bracket the attention it desires. It is the way that we do March Madness on this show, and it's really tough. I mean, some of these games are just down to the wire, down to the last hair. Just as unpredictable as the, the real one. Really true at this point. Yeah. And, you know, just like the retrievers broke everyone's bracket in uh, the real one, maybe they break this one. I don't Possible. know if we have baby retrievers. We, well, have baby, puppy. we have puppies. That counts. That's true. San Francisco could become the largest city in the United States to ban the sale of fur. They have been on a rampage. San Francisco Board of Supervisors banned the sale of menthol cigarettes, other flavored tobacco. Uh, prohibited performances by exotic animals. <laughs> this proposed fur ban would go into effect January 1st, apply to coats, anything else featuring real fur, including keychains and gloves. Um, 
I'm not a big fan of furs. I'm not either. I don't don't wear it. I I don't want any sort of cruelty to any animal whatsoever. But I... Also, Unless, don't want eleven people that sit on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors telling businesses what they can and cannot sell. Right, and unless without that, a vote of the people, the animal tastes good. Then that also makes it. Kind I of don't like it when you do that. Sorry, it's true. If passed, this fur ban would go into effect next year, July or January first, and apply to coats and anything else featuring real fur. Here's the, I don't. Here's what I don't get about this. What about stuff that's uh, not real fur? Fake fur, faux fur, faux fur. You can still do faux fur. Okay, well then, but you are. How do you doing know it, if it's? Uh... Well, you're doing it because you love real fur and don't want to either pay the price or don't want to hurt the animal. Right. Shouldn't you do some self reflection at that point and realize that you're still perpetuating the love of animal fur as your clothing? No, I mean you can like the look. And why is it that they're going after fur but not leather? Because leather's damn popular. Nobody wants anyone to take away their leather. Not in San Francisco, they don't. Not anywhere. Well, I mean, San Francisco's got a pretty high leather market. Oh, you know like Mr. Saying? Leather? Oh, I don't know. Remember but... when we interviewed Mr. Leather from Long Beach? Mr. Long Beach Leather. He was nice. The Chamber of Commerce estimates that San Francisco fur sales account for $40 million a year. Well, you go to Union Square million. and what is it? Uh, is it Neiman Market? There's Neiman there. Yeah. Um, yeah, they all have like fur boutiques where people come in and they, you know, old San Francisco money buys their, their big furs, their mink coats and the like. I, I guess I'm... Curious as to why the the 11 people, the supervisors there, believe that this is an opportunity for them to make a statement. Because they think they're God. That's just the way that county board of supervisors operate. It's is leather really, I mean, is fur really what's bringing down San Francisco? No, I think it's the urine and feces that's found on 80% of the, the street blocks that is probably a more pressing issue. So why not? Why not have regulations against uh, crapping on the street? Yeah, public crapping. Because that would be rude to the homeless. I think you mean the unsheltered. Excuse me, the unsheltered. Katie Tang, one of the supervisors, says there's no humane way to raise an animal to peel its skin off. Oh, for the love of God. (laughs) But you could resell vintage or used fur. But only if you're not a fur shop. You have to be something like a secondhand store, a pawn shop, a or a nonprofit. A consignment store on exactly. Haight-Ashbury. Yes. Where I used to shop. Right. I got some nice stuff from there. They will say that you cannot have hamburgers soon in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Any animal food of any kind. It's beef, chicken, pork, all gone. You can't think about eating a cow. Unlike Houston, where I went last weekend, and they bring a cow to your table, and then you just take a bite out of it. Yep. Just right there. Just right there. Uh, Everything. Everyone is talking about everywhere when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Shannon, 
still a bunch going. Halfway through the show, we still feel like there's another four hours that we could probably do. A uh, bunch of the stuff coming up, including the president facing some backlash after he congratulated Vladimir Putin on his big win. Big win. Good job. You do well. Uh, and also why it is that Joe Biden is starting to talk like a, a high school hero. Seems like there's a, a movie that should be made about high school Joe Biden picking a fight with high school Donald Trump. At least a graphic novel. A graphic novel. That'd be good. Hey, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. They're calling it an atmospheric river. A river in the sky that could unleash catastrophic amounts of rain. UCLA climate scientist Daniel Swain describes this system as the strongest storm of the year for Southern California. Already thousands of people out of their homes in Santa Barbara, Ventura, L.A. County burn areas. This could cause a lot of problems. Some areas could see six inches of rainfall over 36 hours. That's just to put that in perspective, six to eight months of rainfall in three days. This was already uh, the evacuation orders already cover 30,000 people. Yep. It's an amazing amount. Uh, I don't know where they all went, um, but just out of the areas, out of the areas that are the most threatened by potential mudslides. We are standing by any moment. We're expecting an FBI and Austin police update on the serial bomber case. Three-week manhunt ended overnight when this 23-year-old unemployed dude who'd been a student at a local community college and, as Shannon put it, had too much mommy time, ended up blowing himself up after he drove into a ditch. Six explosive devices five of which detonated over a three-week period in Austin and outside San Antonio. Two people killed, more injured. He is being described as a loving man from a tight family. That family is said to make a statement at some point today as uh, well. That was Grandma, by the way, who said that. Yeah. If anything, he's low-key. He's peaceful. That is Grandma, though, right? Grandma will make excuses for anything. Probably. Hey, uh, locally, if you remember the story of uh, Gregory Salcedo, a history teacher at El Rancho High School, I should say he's a former history teacher at El Rancho High School. Now the school board voted unanimously to try to bring some sense to this guy and fire him from his job as teacher. He does have opportunity to to appeal the decision, of course. But I can't even relive his comments. They were so disgusting. About the military. Just a, what a cowardly piece of crap. A history of being anti-military. Finally, he gets caught for it and then tries to explain, well, it's my freedom. Of, yes, it is your freedom to say those things. It's also our freedom to tell you you're an idiot for doing those things. Mark Zuckerberg is expected to come out within the next 24 hours to to address the scandal that has embroiled Facebook, his baby, about Facebook mining all your personal data and then uh, giving it to third-party apps that then sell your information to people on the dark web. You don't want your information in the hands of the dark web. I think we can all agree on that. That is what has precipitated this uh, leave Facebook movement. We're going to be talking all about this coming up in the one o'clock hour. I can't. Oh, and did you see WhatsApp? Facebook bought out WhatsApp for $16 billion or something. One of the guys that made a pant load of money in that deal, Brian Acton, he now says everyone should delete Facebook. Yeah. He's got a, he's literally got a check for $8 billion. Signed by Mark Zuckerberg, 
And now that he got his, he says, yeah, you should probably delete your Facebook. I'm kind of going to go back and forth, too. I feel like more on Facebook are those little minds you can fall into, whether it's like this, take this quiz, advertisement <laughs> here. Right. More of that, less of the kids I want to see growing up. Yes. You know, I've, I've gone to Instagram really for that because I feel like there's it's not as ad heavy. Uh, in in Wisconsin, cops are on to the hunt for a Sheboygan resident who's been clogging toilets. Oh, no. Now, not what you think. I know what you're thinking. That's not what it is. But they say that for the last year and a half, someone has been clogging the women's toilet in the Deland Community Center by stuffing a 20-ounce soda bottle into the bowl. Thousands of dollars in repair and labor costs and the unavailability of public restrooms. You know, I know that in Sheboygan, winter can be tough. You know, there's not as much fishing, (laughs) golfing, biking through the woods along the lakefront there. Uh, You sound very familiar with time in Sheboygan. You know, the Sheboygan County Interfaith Organization Farmer's Market is shut down this time of year. Didn't know that. But you should find something to do other than this, sir. You cannot ma'am. go around, ma'am. It's a woman's restroom. You can't go around stuffing bottles into toilet bowl holes. It's not right. And then finally, I don't know if you've seen. Have this Have you ever video gone yet. to a Sheboygan A's baseball uh, game? Didn't know there was such a thing as the Sheboygan A's. Of course, that, there that's is. Not, that wasn't there. Sheboygan A's feed into the Brewers. Yeah, but I, there was another name for them. Sheboygan had a different. Sheboygan A's were won something different? Yeah. I think you should get a Sheboygan A's t-shirt. To go along my University of Maryland Baltimore County t-shirt? Yeah. Sheboygan, Sheboygan Redskins? Sheboygan Redskins. That's no, they were, they were a basketball team. Oh, I remember right. that. There you're was right. a Sheboygan name. It wasn't the A's. Anyway, hmm. and then finally, speaking of sports, ESPN tweeted uh, part of the Fox Sports broadcast from the Pistons-Kings game Monday night. Somebody at... Uh, what was Arco Arena, and is now, I don't know what they call it anymore, has been spotted on the Jumbotron holding up a jar of mayonnaise, eating mayonnaise by the spoonful. This is likely a hoax. It's likely some sort of a custard or vanilla concoction in a mayonnaise jar because no sane person likes that much mayonnaise, and no sane person eats it straight. Sheboygan Indians. Ah, well, then that explains. See, they had to change all that. They had to probably change the Redskins, too. All right. Coming back. Axe throwing. Show field trip. Axe throwing. Seven minutes on axe throwing. Well, no, no, not all of that. It's not all. We're not all going to talk about axe throwing. It's a series. (laughs) It's a series. We're getting into a deep dive when we come back. Very serious and very informative show right here. Uh, also, your chance at winning $1,000 coming up, brought to you by Cunning Dental. And if you got a yuck mouth, call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Well, I wouldn't say yuck mouth. We get it. Like, it can be really hard to have bad teeth, and you don't have to live with them. You can get them fixed. That was a very emotional response to I've me decided, saying yuck mouth. Well, I decided we're going to be softer and gentler. And that seven-part series on the axe throwing, too. We come back. Do I need to go find violin music to play in the background? Yes. Like ex- experimental world music? Yes. Bingo. Great. Triple eight six forty smile Keep listening. We'll tell you how you can win that $1,000. Gary and Shannon will continue.
your chance to win $1,000 right here. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to 200-200. If you win, by the way, they're going to give you a call. Might be from a number you don't recognize, but you got to answer it if you're going to be the winner. Uh, If you don't, for some reason, win, you don't get that phone call. You have another chance one hour from now. And a chance to win $1,000 an hour, as a matter of fact, from 5A to 7P, Monday through Friday, right here on KFI. I lost you, didn't I? Well, axe throwing right. is an old Celtic sport. And it has enjoyed a resurgence in recent years. <laughs> Did you know there is something called a World Axe Throwing League? I did not. Well, it's, I don't, I have not thrown axes in competition. I assume it's something like darts. Yes. Okay. That's exactly right. There is a bullseye on said wall. Yeah. And you throw the axe. Axes have been deep into the Celtic people's roots, going all the way back to ancient times. This was what they used as their hand weapons. And now it's become a thing. Thanks to, you know what? I don't know why the Associated Press uses this term, but hipsters of Brooklyn, are hipsters still a thing? Our hipsters are kind of passe at this point, right? Oh, no, they're still a thing. Oh, they they are? Oh, Oh, they've just aged? (laughs) There's a little gray in the beard, yes. But they're still there. Kick axe throwing is the first bar in New York City to pick up on this nationwide trend of axe throwing. They're saying that axe throwing is going to take off like bowling took off. (laughs) Okay. Kick axe throwing, by the way, combines axe throwing and craft beer. What could go wrong? Right. But Alexander Stein, who calls himself an axe spurt says that after a couple drinks you actually just you actually start to throw a little bit better. I Isn't find that the that's truth, the with, truth bowling? with darts. Oh. Okay. And bowling. And bowling. Oh, okay. Well, because you're not as nervous, you're not as in your head or cornhole or cornhole <laughs> or horseshoes or billiards. Sometimes billiards, yes. Yeah, I could see that. He Alexander Stein, the expert Says he honed his skills growing up in Colorado throwing knives at carnivals. Carnivals? Yes. <laughs> at carnivals. That's how they say it in Canada. <laughs> and while some probably thought he was a see something, say something, he now trains newcomers on proper technique when it comes to axe throwing. He says it's about believing in your ability to do something you did not think you could do before. The World Axe Throwing League held its first world championship tournament just a few months ago, just back in December. Competitors played in their home courts, and the games were all broadcast remotely on Facebook Live. The winner took home eventually a $3,500 prize. Bad Axe CEO Mario Zalea says he wants to eventually make axe throwing an Olympic sport, which, in all honesty, is not out of the, you know, world of possibility because well, there's more ridiculous olympic sports out there there and there have been some in the past that they don't do anymore like the old singular dog trailing a guy on cross-country skis or towing a guy on cross-country skis here's an 
Interesting juxtaposition. Guests at Kick Axe Throwing in Brooklyn can take a break from throwing axes to play board games like Candyland. <laughs> now, isn't that quintessential 2018 man? Let's say like somebody Blake's age, right? Yes. 25. He has a beard. He wears flannels. And he likes to throw axes and then take a break and play Candyland with his pineapple beer. I like it. I mean, I think it's. I think pineapple men beer. are becoming more well-rounded. That's well-rounded. Is that what you're going to go with? Yeah. Turning from a sharpened metal instrument to a game of Candyland with a fruit-flavored beer in front of them. It's well-rounded in the area of recreation. I'm down for it. The axe throwing part, all of it, really, at this point. Candyland? Why not? The, the only memory I have of Candyland is playing my father and him beating me and me swearing the only way he could beat me was because he was cheating, so I cried and stormed out of the room. You're not... So when I need was to make that? Up well, that was Tuesday? <laughs> when was that? I was probably about four or five. Okay. So that's the only memory I have of that. So if I can make new ones to override those Candyland memories, I'm down I for it. I cannot believe your idea. parents have allowed you to live in their house for this long. <laughs> It just if blows you, my mind. I don't cry way, over Candyland anymore, so that's good. I was, <laughs> you just stomp your feet and leave the room. You don't cry. <laughs> uh, I have, was trying. I can't find any any place in L.A., like a, a bar that has axe throwing here. But they'll bring it to you. But, yeah, there are places that will set up a, like, if you have a backyard party, or, they'll set it up here. Or, or a radio studio. They're not going to set it up in here. Why not? That is the worst. We could just push some of the salespeople's cubicles out of the way. Like we did before and played ping pong in their space? Right there. No. Uh, I think that's a bad idea. I think every time you have said that, it has led to a fun experience. Well, if you know of these axe-throwing bars, if there are any in L.A., we'd love to know who they are. Because, man, news and brews and axes... No, 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 no. Oh, that yes. is a bad idea. No, that's a no, fantastic idea. That was really not Tell good. Tell me what a bad idea is. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one who put that shirt on today, and you're like, yeah, it looks good. It's pretty uh, much the same shirt you're wearing. I know. Why is, is that? terrifying. Why is that? I want to talk about it. Gary and Shannon. I mean, mine, hey, if I mine isn't striped like yours. It has little stripes in it. It's blue. You guys are cute. You should take a picture. Amy King. No. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon. Standing by again for an update out of Austin. Looks like they do have a podium set up with some microphones, etc. But the FBI and Austin police are uh, set to give an update on the serial bomber case. Again, the guy ended up blowing himself up after a quick police chase, if you even want to call it that, overnight as they were closing in on him. Authorities, by the way, did detain the two people who lived with this guy. One roommate was questioned and released, the second still being held for questioning. Not releasing the names uh, of these guys, but yeah, it looks like the family is going to have some sort of availability as well. Um, One of the stories that's uh, percolating uh, in Washington, D.C., is the story of the president congratulating 
Vladimir Putin on winning yet another round as uh, as president of Russia. And there is a story that came out. The Washington Post said that national security advisors specifically instructed the president not to congratulate Vladimir Putin on his electoral victory. In fact, there were instructions, written instructions for the president from these national security advisors. And in caps, in caps, it says, do not congratulate. I, I'm i a little bit confused. I mean, the presidents have done this. Presidents have done this before. Other world leaders do get a lot of times just a quick phone call. Hey, good job. Congratulations. Can't wait to work with you on furthering the developments of both of our countries and the interests and the this and the that. Like Angela Merkel or uh, Justin Trudeau. Right. Something that a country that we have different relationships with that are actually working relationships. Our relationship with Russia would you call it a working relationship successfully? I would say if, if nothing else, at, at best, I would say it's very strained right now. Right. It's odd when I heard him congratulating Vladimir Putin. But it's been uh, the, done before. Pres, uh, president Obama did it six years ago. I mean, it's not unheard of for the United States president to congratulate the president of Russia on, a, on an election, re-election, et cetera. I it's think that, that he did this because he's trying to say, I'm congratulating him. And I would never congratulate him if I was worried about these collusion allegations. That's an, that's an interesting motivation. It takes a little bit of orchestration. Well, here's, what's, here's what is going to be interesting about this is that the president himself and his chief of staff, General John Kelly, are said to be furious about this. Furious that someone told the Washington Post that, in fact, that was written down. The leaks have been... Vast. Well, there have been so many more than I ever remember. Here's what's most interesting about this one specifically. There are very few people, very few sets of eyes who get to see the president's daily briefing. If that's, in fact, where this was, you know, where this uh, this wording came from, not to congratulate Vladimir Putin. So you've got people on a very short list. They've got a mole in their circle of trust. (laughs) Yes, that's one way to put it. The thing is, are they going to be able to figure out who it is? And uh, I don't I'd know. watch that movie. The president's argument, by the way, for congratulating at least what the White House uh, press secretaries have said is, listen, we don't regardless of how bad the relationship is between the United States and Russia, we should have some dialogue. And it's just common courtesy to call and congratulate the guy that he won, even if it's a complete sham election that he wins by 75%. That's the other thing. Because the other uh, people who it's had a chance against him. congratulating a completely bogus system. Well, it would. It, I mean, he won by 75%. Granted, the other uh, anybody else who had a shot at, at uh, unseating him. Was killed. Is either dead or dying. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, Ben Carson, that story as well. I got to get to this. Car- I got to. You want to do this now? Or after- yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So we told you this story about Ben Carson, who is now the Department of Housing and Urban Development Secretary. We found out that he had purchased a thirty-one thousand dollar office dining set to the for taxpayer dollars to be spent on this, right? 
And it reminded us of Mark Ridley Thomas when he was elected L.A. County Board uh, to the L.A. County Board of Supervisors and all the money he spent to refurbish his office. And it just it goes with the line of thinking that these guys do not give a crap about the money they spend when it's not their money, when it's our money. Well, he now has an excuse for buying a thirty one thousand dollar office dining set. His excuse is it was his wife's fault. He said his poor interior decorating choices caused him to defer the decision to his wife, Candy Carson. He says, you know, I'm not really big into decorating. If it were up to me, my ho- my office would look probably like a hospital waiting room. At any rate, I Which invited... Which doesn't surprise anyone, by the way. Yeah, but at any rate, I invited my wife in to come help me. Now, what an apple. apple. What a... Would you... Would you ever roll on your wife, if, yes. even if you would? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's extremely rude. I b- agree with you. My, he says, I asked my wife to help me with that in terms of fixing furniture for safety. What? They showed us some catalogs. The prices were beyond what I wanted to pay, and I made it clear it just didn't seem right Oh, yeah, right. right. Okay, I believe that. Yeah, you give a crap. I left it with my wife, and I said, help choose something. How tone deaf do you have to be, number one, Ben Carson, Dr. Carson, to say something like that? And then how how tone deaf is Candy Carson if she rolls down a $31,000 dining set? This, is a, this isn't a $31,000 remodel. This is a $31,000 dining set. Keep in mind, this is the department that takes on affordable housing. Right. It's really rich. It is a good point. Coming up next. That's more... 31000 by the way. That can that can buy you a, a house from Ikea. It can buy you a house in a lot of parts of the country, not from Ikea. Oh. Um, we're going to talk about Biden, the chances that he's going to be running in 2020. Also, the fallout between Vanessa Trump and Donald Trump Jr. continues. God, the... Network news, the cable news networks oh are just obsessed with this story and the Donald Trump Stormy Daniels story. And it's it's like, is it any shocker to anyone that guys who are made of money like beautiful women with big chests and that those relationships often happen? Are we just now looking over the menu men, memo that says that beautiful women are into guys with money? Huh. I don't know. I've never had. I don't think money we need to... three cable news networks covering the women that the Trumps have slept with. Okay. I didn't mean to sound that angry you, you about. You got it. really upset I didn't there. Mean to sound that angry about it. I'm just tired of seeing all the pictures. Gary I, and Shannon. I don't want to see it. that woman in her um, in her uh, bustier. What are you looking at? What are you doing with your hands there? <laughs> the, um, you look like you're doing Aaron Rodgers. The buckle up. But the polygraph. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Where her boobs are like in a bondage situation. Gary Shannon will continue. Good Lord. Gary and Shannon, well, you heard in Amy's news there, Mark Zuckerberg finally speaking about Facebook. 
And it's leaving your information, your data vulnerable to uh, third parties that have been selling said information on the dark web. Terrifying when you think about it, isn't it? Well, Mark Zuckerberg has said he admits mistakes. He's outlining steps to protect user data. And we'll have much more on his statement. Many more details coming up after the top of the hour. What are you doing over there? I'm trying to figure out. I I made a huge error yesterday. I I didn't do it on the air or anything. It's not like I'm apologizing for something that I said. I just feel like I've made a mistake. For several hours, I believed this whole Donald Trump Jr. story was different than what it really was. So the story is that he's getting a divorce. We've talked about that. And there were allegations or rumors, I guess, that that he had been having an affair of some kind, whether it was physical or something, with uh, a... A singer named Aubrey O'Day, who you pointed out was in Danity Kane. Right. It was uh, Danity Kane was was formed by P. Diddy on MTV's Making the Band, I believe, back in 05. Right. Uh, She looks a lot. I mean, if you were to just wildly paint with a broad brush, she looks like Stormy Daniels. Right. That's a very broad brush. That's what I said. She has more uh, along the lines of um, auburn hair, doesn't she? Um, It's a little darker. Naturally, yes. Just looks like your typical blonde, you know. Okay, but Aubrey O'Day is very different than Andra Day. Yes. And let me say that I thought originally it was Andra Day. This is this is Andra who can sing. You don't see her in bed with Donald Trump no, Jr. No, no. Sing the snot out of every song she's ever gone up to. It. And I do it a thousand times again. No, this was this was Aubrey O'Day. Uh, it's like a girl group uh, akin to almost like an in sync, if you will, uh, pop music stuff like that, sugary pop music. Well, sources claim that after finding emails to that uh, Donald Trump Jr. sent to Aubrey O'Day, that Vanessa Trump called her on the phone, Aubrey, and asked her to end the romance. A source says that she called Aubrey with her kids on the phone, that Vanessa had three children at that point. A source said Vanessa went crazy and was super jealous. You know what I don't like? I don't like these details of uh, the divorce and the dirty affair coming out when, when there's five kids involved. That's gross, isn't it? Yeah. It's... I don't talk about it anymore. All right. Uh, there was Joe Biden. Joe Biden took to the stage in a, uh, a speech to some college students at the University of Miami. He was uh, at an anti-sexual assault rally. I don't it's weird that we have to have rallies for this, but okay. Anti-sexual assault rally, University of Miami. And he went after Donald Trump, and uh, as you might expect. But I have to point out, this is not a Joe Biden that anybody wants to know. And I'll explain why when we hear from the former vice president himself. Well, I've been in a lot of rock, locker rooms my whole life. Okay. He's been in a lot of locker rooms, or rocker rooms, as he was going to say, his whole life, right? That's fine. That means he was active. He did a lot of stuff. He played a lot of sports, whatever it was. Well, I've been in a lot of rock locker rooms my whole life. A pretty damn good athlete. Oh. Do you get to say that? Yeah, sure. Why not? You get to say you were a pretty damn good athlete? Donald Trump said he was the best at every sport he ever played. He said he was going to be a professional baseball player. You didn't have a problem with that. Excellent point. 
Any guy who talked that way was usually the fattest, ugliest SOB in the room. Uh. <laughs> he said that uh, if he was in high school, he'd take Trump behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Now, people who love Joe Biden and who are Democrats love to hear this kind Just of thing. Talk about red because, meat. Red meat for the base. Because you know what? The Democrats are so freaking weak. They screw them. I mean, they should have had such um, they should have had such a busy. What has it been? 16 months. Yeah. OK. A busy 16 months of building a force with teeth. And instead, they're eating each other alive. Look no further than the race between Kevin DeLeon and Dianne Feinstein. Look no further than the races here in California in the congressional districts where there's too many Democrats running that it looks like they're going to splinter the vote so much that two Republicans end up getting the getting the race. Right. And going to the uh, to the final in November. Exactly. It's I almost mean, as it's, if it's, they... It, it, each one of them saw this was my opportunity to shine, not, hey, let's do this for the betterment of the party. They were thinking now is my right. opportunity. There's no it does. It feels like there's not a lot of organization. There's not a lot of um, team work going on. So for Joe Biden to get out there and talk like a bully and to sound pissed off, I think is good for Democrats. Yeah. It would be interesting to see how. But Joe Biden is 75 right now. Donald Trump is the oldest person we've ever had inaugurated as the president, and he doesn't seem that old. Joe Biden seems a whole lot older than his 75. I can't believe that another name has not risen to the level of the Joe Biden power in 18 months. I can't believe they haven't gotten it together to think seriously about who we're all going to get behind and hold up there to run against Donald Trump. I don't think they have. I mean, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, Kamala Harris's name being thrown around or Eric Garcetti. I mean, come on now. There's no name recognition outside of California for those people. Maybe a baby amount for Kamala Harris, but she's a a baby congressperson. You think about it this way. They've got a year. Yeah. They've got a year. not that long. And if you and I, who we talk about this every day, if we can't think of anybody... Who's going to come out and rise up as the you know top two or three people to run for president on the Democratic ticket? They had all, they had all this anger. They had all these hearts bleeding all over Facebook or everything else. All of these marches with terrible hats and anger. And I can't believe. Then what are you doing with it? Right. Who are you? They're they're having their feelings hurt. That's what that's what makes that, them and turn. That's though. great, but that should have lasted for six months, six weeks, six days, and then okay, what are you going to do about it? Right. I don't know. We'll see. A lot happens between now and then. Uh, When we come back, we're going to get into uh, the latest out of Austin, Texas, including what is going to take, what will be the next steps in this serial bombing case, especially since the guy turned himself into jelly overnight when he blew up a bomb in his own car. Talk about what the investigators have to do now. And the latest uh, about Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg has finally broken his silence about the uh, Cambridge Analytica story. That's all coming up next on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon. Wednesday, March 21st. Keeping an eye on the uh, storm that has been rolling through Southern California. And it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a long couple of days. Today the rain 
He's rolling through the valley with a vengeance right now. And tomorrow we're going to see a whole nother round of rain coming through. Places like Santa Barbara, Montecito, and those areas affected by the Thomas Fire could see as much as six inches of rain before Friday, which is what they would get over the course of six months in some cases. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, if anything happens, we'll bring it to you live. Looks like it was an unemployed 23-year-old college dropout that was behind those serial bombings in and around Austin, San Antonio area. And as a SWAT team closed in on him, he used one of his devices to blow himself up. There were five uh, deadly explosives, I believe, that he uh, was responsible for killing two, injuring more. And officials this morning said, well, we got to stay on guard because he may have planted more bombs before his death. The area around his home in Pflugerville has been uh, has been evacuated uh, as they figure out if he did any more damage before he offed himself. So what do we do now? Well, helping us figure out all of this is John Cohen, former counterterrorism coordinator, at the Department of Homeland Security. Also spent some time in the Gardena Police Department. John, thanks for taking time with us. No, thanks for having me on. Nice to be with you. Uh, we have a we have a situation here where uh, an entire city, uh, you know, big city in the United States was on high alert watching for this guy, not knowing what motivated him to send these packages through the mail or deliver these packages to these people. And now he's gone. If you're an investigator on this case... Where do you even begin trying to piece together a motive for this? Well, first and foremost, investigators are going to be uh, taking steps to ensure that there aren't other explosives that are out there, and they're going to want to determine whether this person was working alone or working with others. They want to make, you know, while it appears that the threat's been neutralized, um, uh, they just want to make sure that there aren't any other threats to the public out there, either by unexploded or undiscovered explosives or other people. But um, even though he's gone, uh, investigators will start looking at his social media footprint. They'll look at his Internet behavior. They'll download information from his computers. They'll talk to his friends and family and and any past co-workers or people he went to school with, and they will relatively quickly put together a picture. Uh, What we've learned in looking at these people who conduct mass casualty attacks or or targeted attacks such as this is they typically leave a lot of clues, um, and they presented a lot of warning signs prior to conducting the attack. So I suspect in a relatively short time period we'll have a better picture of what was in his mind behind this. We were talking about the details of the investigation earlier what we know about how it went down. And obviously surveillance video was a big part of it. But also, uh, I'm assuming from an investigator's point of view, you're going to look at how the bombs were made. And if they were made the same, you kind of know you're looking for the same person. Then how do you go about finding who was behind that? Right. So each bomber, um, whether they're a highly experienced bomber or uh, or someone who's relatively new to, to, to making bombs, they, they create what is known as a signature. And the signature are, as you pointed out, are, are elements of their unique style of constructing a bomb. What chemicals did they use? What did they use for shrapnel? Uh, what did they use as the casing? What was the initiator? Uh, and they tend, even if they modify various elements of, of the explosive device, they'll tend to um, keep major elements of it the same because that's what they're used to working with. That's how they're used to constructing the bomb. So in an, in an investigation such as this, even when you have an exploded device, there are remnants of that device, You know, whether it's chemical residue, portions of the outer case, of the piping, the shrapnel that was used, they all remain. 
and in, and in many cases, there may be fingerprint or forensic evidence or DNA, such as hair, uh, associated with those materials. There may be um, numbers or other information on elements that survived the explosion, and all that information can help investigators, one, connect different events, and second, identify the bomber. Have there been enough instances of bombings like this to come up with a profile for a suspect? Um, and I'll, I'll phrase it like this. We know the Unabomber, obviously the highest profile that I can think of, uh, a bombing suspect in the past, was a lone wolf guy. He did it by himself. Uh, was that an automatic assumption on your part when we saw this series of attacks in Austin? No, and I'll explain why. Um, while this individual may have used um, explosives, um, you know, there are other instances over the last three to five years uh, where we have seen mass casualty attacks by individuals who use different weapons or different attack methodologies. Um, but all these people we're finding have common behavioral characteristics. So just listening to your lead-in, you, you described him as a young male um, from this country, um, and who had, you know, didn't, was unemployed, didn't make it through school. I suspect we'll find there's some family issues uh, if he's similar to past people. But typically what we're seeing uh, is that the primary threat facing the country today comes from disaffected young men primarily who become either inspired to self-connect with some ideological cause based on what they see on the Internet or social media uh, or formulate some grievance in their mind. Um, but they, they then go out and conduct a mass casualty attack, either in furtherance of that ideology or in furtherance of their grievance. And in almost every single one of these cases, these individuals uh, share common behavioral and psychological characteristics. And that's important because by understanding that, that provides us the warning signs to, to hopefully stop these attacks in the future. All right, John, thank you for your time. No, thanks for having me on. John Cohen there, uh, former counterterrorism coordinator at the Department of Homeland Security. Um, there are plenty of questions still to be answered about this guy and what it is that specifically motivated him, what sort of shopping list of grievances he probably had. Uh, about why he was a victim and needed to strike out this way, and that uh, that will come out in the, in the days and weeks ahead. Up next, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg is responding to the scandal and all the information about how Facebook is using your information and maybe handing it off to third parties that are selling it on the dark web. Terrifying. Mark Zuckerberg's talking about what Facebook is going to do to stop this before people start stopping Facebook. Hey, it's also your chance to win a thousand bucks coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Meth mouth? Call Connie Dental for a free exam. Triple eight six forty smile. They don't judge. Keep <laughs> listening for your opportunity to win. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, if you are looking to win some cash, here's how you do it. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. And if you win, they're going to give you a call. Might be from a number you don't recognize. If you don't answer that phone call, then they'll go on to somebody else who will and give them the $1,000. Your next chance to win is going to be an hour from now during the John and Ken Show. In fact, all the way up through 7 o'clock tonight, we're giving away $1,000 an hour from 5 in the morning to 7 o'clock at night, Monday through Friday.
Well, we've been following the story about Cambridge Analytica. This is the uh, the data scandal that has plagued Facebook for the last several days and has absolutely eaten away some of its stock value. I think $40 billion, $50 billion, depending on which numbers you're looking at. And one of the questions the last 12, 24 hours has been, where the hell's Mark Zuckerberg? It makes sense that you haven't heard from him because he's trying to figure out how to fix Facebook. Right. But, hey, even a quick post that's like, Guys, I'm working on it. I really apologize. I'm going to get my best people on it, and we're going to figure out how to make sure this doesn't happen again. That's true. But nothing. Until just now. I mean, within the last, I would say, 30 minutes or so, Mark Zuckerberg finally put out a statement about what it is that he plans to do. He's also going to be on CNN tonight. I think he and Anderson Cooper are going to sit down and, and talk about all of this. That's about 6 o'clock there on CNN if you want more. Um Mark Zuckerberg says Facebook will notify users whose data was included in the set allegedly received by Cambridge Analytica. It would also investigate all apps with access to Facebook data and demand audits of any app with suspicious activity. So if there's any evidence that this app that had a relationship with Facebook was then selling your information to the dark web, there would be some talking that needed to to be happening. Talking. Yeah. Serious maybe, talking. Maybe the end of the relationship between an app and Facebook. And, you know, it's like the apps that say you want to log in using your Facebook data. And, you know, we've been talking around here and a lot of people who have done this just say, yeah, it's because I'm lazy. I just like, yeah, okay, whatever. I don't want to figure out. I don't want to remember another password or whatever. Well, right. when you okay that, you're okaying, in some cases, that app to see everything that Facebook's been able to see about you. And I think a key to this is that a lot of people have been on Facebook for 10-plus years now. Yeah. So what you were thinking about in terms of, oh, this is never going to come back to haunt me 10 years ago, we now know is probably what is causing all of your identity theft issues that you're dealing with. So, like, when I found this out, Jane Wells wrote on Facebook this morning that she deleted all of those third-party apps. Yeah. She had 60 of them. I didn't count how many I had, but I had plenty, and I probably had somewhere up around 50 or 60, some of which I don't even remember having signed up for. I don't know why, but I had a weird feeling anytime I saw that message, sign, sign in using your Facebook credentials. I don't know. I didn't like it for some reason. It was just like a weird, I was like, eh, nah, I'm not going to go to that thing then, you know? You just pull, you pull the pull so cord on that. I one. had about 10 or 15 from, like you said, like 10 years ago, from like words with friends. Right. You know? Yeah, that, that you don't use and you don't expect to be used against right. you. Right. But the, here's the problem I think that Mark Zuckerberg is going to run into. This is their business model. He says in a statement we have a responsibility to protect your data, and if we can't, then we don't deserve to serve you. That's what they do is they sell your information to their advertisers. Did you ever did you ever wonder why it is when you're trolling on Facebook and they know exactly what you were looking for on Amazon five minutes ago? Because they show you in the side, the little side banner, mm-hmm. hey, I was just looking for those boots. I was just looking for that uh, – tool or whatever it was how do they know it's because facebook sells your information all the time the question is can they keep it private now in the context of cambridge analytica there was a guy who said he put together a personality profile four years ago a personality test app and what he said he was doing was just gathering information he's the one who then turned it over to cambridge analytica And Facebook says he broke our rules by doing that. 
what that profiler that the that psychographic profiler has been saying is oh they made me a scapegoat they didn't spell it out clearly that i couldn't do that that's exactly he knew exactly what he was doing he sold it to exactly the people he was trying to sell it to that's exactly the way this thing works so how mark zuckerberg is going to be able to fix this i'm not sure how he's going to be able to ensure that that information that you give freely is not used against you i have no idea and how how bad is it already in terms of putting the toothpaste back into the tube? What can be done retroactively with all the stuff, all the data that's already been sold to the dark web people? Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, part of the reason Facebook and other social media sites have been so successful is we are so willing, or so many of us, I should say, are so willing to give up that information in exchange for a little bit of voyeurism that they have tapped into a weird humanity uh, uh, angle of humanity that allows them to make billions and billions of dollars on us because we got to see what somebody else is eating for breakfast or how that kid did in their, you know, soccer game. Or I mean, I wonder if it reaches a point, the pendulum swings the other way where we don't want to know any of that. We realize the value for true relationships again, reaching out and making that phone call and asking, hey, how are your kids? Instead of just knowing you or just thinking you know how someone's kids are because you see their smiles on Facebook. Something very bad is going to have to happen for that to be the case. I don't know. I I sometimes go back and forth with it. When's the last time you called me? I don't. I I talk to you for four hours every day. You know what I mean? It's a little different. But I I made it a point to, you know, hey, pick up the phone and call your friends. Don't just think you're you're up to date with their lives because they look happy on Facebook. Or you sent them a a happy face emoticon. Yeah. How are you? Happy face. Right. Green barfy face. Whatever it is. Speaking of which. Dr. Wendy is going to join That's us. That's not this. nice. What? You just said green, green barfy face. Yeah, like you would ask me how I'm feeling and I didn't feel well, I would send you a green barfy face. And then you said speaking of which. <laughs> no, speaking of humanity and human relationships. Oh, instead. got it. Dr. Wendy Walsh, when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Amy I just King. didn't know if she was sick or not. No, she's not. I don't think so. The doctor is in with Dr. Wendy Walsh. There she is. I like how he does that. Wendy. I'm here. Walsh. Well, we are keeping our eye on KFI News on what has been described as the strongest storm of the year, already getting a lot of rain in Ventura County, Santa Barbara County, where more than 30,000 people have been evacuated. Some of these people have been evacuated three, four times since that January 9th tragedy with the mud and debris flow that roared through Montecito ripping homes off their foundations in the middle of the night, killing 21 people. I had forgotten that the death toll was that high. Um, so needless to say, people are not messing around up there. They are getting out of their homes. But this is like Chris and Carla was saying earlier. This has just been three months of an ongoing nightmare. Big you know? cell of rain just ran through uh, downtown Los Angeles. And uh, if you're up in the Thousand Oaks, Moore Park area, sort of in the West Valley, there's another big cell that's coming through. So we are going to see rain off and on through the day and tomorrow Tomorrow is going to see another huge bout of rain as well. Dr. Wendy joins us, though, for Wednesdays with Dr. Wendy. And we are talking about a couple things today, like uh, the reason people like to punish others. I was reading through this, and I'm fascinated. Isn't it? We're not all just sadists, you know. It's part of our human organization. Well, I found – so this is the the story, that that punishment – is a critical feature when it comes to promoting good behavior in a community, in a society. And I, I thought of this in the context of 
Harvey Weinstein. Uh-huh. Because it says if you are if you're a third party person, you're not the one um offending and you're not the one offended, but you're watching the whole thing. They use the example of you see someone steal from somebody else. You as an un uh uninvolved member of that group can still punish the person who did the wrongdoing. We call it third-party punishment, and it's when you observe some wrong and you go out and, you know, punish the perpetrator. Gosh, that sounds like talk radio. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It does. But indeed, we can talk about the entire Me Too movement and what's happened in the last year with every industry and not just talk narrowly about Harvey Weinstein, right, is that what we're seeing is massive third-party punishment on a grand scale. Now, this has been super important to human beings in how we organize because it's one thing, okay, if you wrong me, Gary, and I go and do something passive-aggressive to get back at you, you know who knows about it? Shannon. No. (laughs) Me and you, right? But third-party punishment actually uh, reestablishes social norms, and moral norms for the entire group. So there's this big spread effect. Well, and, and to use your term and our hunter-gatherer past, right. if you are a member of a group and you do something like you bang uh, you bang Onk with a rock. Oh, I didn't then, know that kind of bang. Then Onk and his family. <laughs> Who's Onk? Is he cute? Uh, Onk's family is going to be upset and kick you out of the tribe. Right. As opposed to just ignoring saying, well, it wasn't me. You didn't hit me with a rock. You didn't hit my, you know. I have a question uh, for people that are like punitive people, people who like to point out like you're wrong or there has to be, you know, a, a good person and a bad person in every situation. What is what? OK, makes- so that's a little bit different. So, first of all, there are developmental windows when people tend to be more obsessed with fairness. And you will find it's sort of the ages of four to eight. You'll see four to eight year olds finally learn the rules, having done all their punishment. And they will turn to the other. And go, no, 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 you can't do that. The rule is this, one potato chip each or whatever, right? And so there are developmental windows. But secondly, there are also people who are very concrete thinkers, who think in terms of black or white, good or bad, instead of this big gray area. First of all, you should know that every human being lies, depending on the situation. Every human being is immoral at a certain point. Um, and And yet... We also do things that promote group cooperation. I use the example of, so whenever I'm in a country that has a little, that's a little more socialist, like Great Britain, um, I find that just average people on the street will let you know the rules when you break them. Like here in America, they don't, you know, it's (laughs) like freedom, whatever, you know. But I remember like uh, there was a sign, a no parking sign that it said, People who park here are selfish. Wow. That's what it said. Selfish. Like it was attacking my moral <laughs> character for parking near the school. And another time I saw some boys skateboarding on a street and a woman walking her dog. And she literally came right out and just started yelling at these boys. I'm like, in America, if you yelled at a bunch of teenagers on the street, you know, <laughs> yeah. but they do. They just. And I, one time I was in the back of a cab and the cop pulled him over for speeding and he gave him a whole mini lecture. Do you know how dangerous it is when you go on the roundabouts? Do you understand with it? And like as if he's his teacher. And I'm like, we don't do that here. We just do the rules. But anyway, so when it's more socialist where they need lots of cooperation, everybody seems to third party punish. 
But it's it's so important for human organization well, and, and development. But in the context, to go back to the Harvey Weinstein story that I thought of, it, mm-hmm. for so long it went on and nobody did that third-party punishment. Exactly. Nobody held him. Nobody outside of, of uh, the immediate people were the ones who held him accountable. And why not? Because they wanted to get ahead. They didn't want it to blow back upon them, I would assume. Oh, okay, yeah. So you could word it that way. Or I could say because the p- third-party punishment was greater for the victims. The victims were blackballed. The victims were fired. The victims were sent away and disappeared. And so that's third-party punishment for the system of patriarchy. So in that case, it wasn't a benefit to women. But then when women realized that they had a whole group here and they could go forward, then they could practice third-party punishment. I get it. Yeah. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, when people, like really, really bad people, try to coerce groups and cults or you know, with human trafficking and sex slaves, whatever, they usually really dramatically punish somebody in front of the others to get oh, everyone a, else to an behave. interesting twist on it, though, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that will shape human behavior and create group cooperation. Up next, who to trust with your deepest, darkest secrets? Me, apparently, if you look at this research. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll I'll explain, explain. why. <laughs> uh, Gary and Shannon, Dr. Wendy Walsh, when we come back. Gary and Shannon, don't forget on a, on a gloomy day like today, you need to have a little ray of sunshine of happiness and joy. I love rainy days, though. Yeah, but you'll like the baby animal bracket even better. Ooh. Yes. So you get a chance to vote on our baby animal bracket. Go to the website, KFIAM640.com. Use the keyword Gary and Shannon. Voting on round run. Round run. <laughs> Voting on round run. Round one closes today, so check it out. Who do we have in round one? I didn't even look and see who's. I always today. vote for baby elephants. It's all thirty-two. <laughs> it's the first. Oh, the whole round. thing, yeah. the whole round. I, Blake, I need a printable bracket. Is this like fantasy football, <laughs> but really, fantasy baby animals? I really feel it's strongly like about this. Fantasy basketball, perhaps okay. March Madness baby animal bracket instead of the basketball. I see. Got it. Dr. Wendy Walsh has joined us. Who do you trust with your deepest, darkest secrets? You know, we all have secrets. Sure. Of course we do. And we also, as I mentioned before, tell lies. That's just part <laughs> <Right>. of it. <laughs> what do you to think the most the common things people lie about? Uh, and what secrets they have? Yeah. Their sex. Sex? Oh, look, he knows. Number one is sex. What else? Their money. Uh, sex and money tend to be the big ones that tend to embarrass people. You're good at this. Reason. Thank you. I know. Really really good. Good. <laughs> you know. <gasps> because haven't we established that he probably has more secrets than others? Yes. Because he's not expressive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's probably why you're interested. So who is the person that you trust, Gary, with your deepest, darkest secrets? And I don't tell. How would you describe them? I don't know if, I've t- if I tell people my deepest, darkest secrets. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> what was that? They're in there. Yeah. Uh. In like a little bean. My pouch? Yes. Uh, I don't know. Your wife. I mean, you tell your wife, right? Yeah. Yeah. If I have secrets about like fears or... Does she know everything? I don't know if she wants to know everything. I mean, it, <laughs> I don't think there are questions that she's asked that I haven't answered. Yeah. But I also... Th- there are probably questions that she hasn't asked 
so fearing the answer. Maybe I should just give you more of a hypothetical instead of putting your wife in these shoes. Right, Let me okay, just say this. You guys are making my drive it, home very awkward. But go on. <laughs> feel free. That in this research, researchers looked at personality traits related to the big five. I think we've talked about this before. Agreeableness, extroversion, extroversion neuroticism, conscientiousness, openness. Ocean. We call it ocean. You That's know the that, same right? thing from the uh, Cambridge Analytica survey and the psychographics. Oh, they looked that they at ocean. Up. Yes. Uh, and who? What? What traits? So let's say if you were going to confide some deep dark secret about sex and money, sounds like paying for a prostitute or something. Uh, what personality traits? That's the only way I can put sex and money together. Is there anything anything wrong with not telling all your secrets? Like, do you have to tell somebody or anyone, like, a a deepest fear or something? Or can you just let it lie? No, because it sits in your body and it lives. In fact, this Sunday I'm going to have on my show this medical doctor and a neuroscientist who – wrote a book called The Listening Cure about listening to your body. And they're like, if you don't get it out, well, it gets in your body and your body gets sick. I don't mean like hmm. letting something fester and then it it turns into a yeah, disease. But what is the but, reason why people you know, if Gary, keep secrets? Because of shame and embarrassment. And yeah, that shame and embarrassment but starts what to build up. benefit does Gary get telling the story about he, how he paid for sex that one time? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he gets it out there and then he stops feeling shame about it? Uh, Yeah. Because oh. you can understand that clear, one we're not time talking about this Gary, we're just saying it's just a general right. Some guy they learn that just because you fix one pipe, it doesn't make you a plumber, right? It just like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't self identify with the behavior forever, right? But let's go back to the personality types for a minute. So openness, agreeableness, extroversion, neuroticism, conscientiousness. Which kinds of personality types? Name a couple that you think we most likely you'd want to confide in. Uh, someone that was trustworthy because you wouldn't want them well, spilling your secret. Right. Well, you could have a trustworthy extrovert. Okay. You could have a trustworthy, conscientious person. I'd want somebody trustworthy that was an extrovert with me so that they could kind of talk with me about it. Not somebody who you could tell and then they just don't speak and they just shut down and then you don't know, you know, if they're if they're judging or what. Okay. What would you think? Same that thing. sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. You don't want someone to judge you. No. Because they also, researchers also looked at things like politeness, enthusiasm. Because, like, if I had sex with a prostitute and I wanted to tell somebody about it, uh-huh. I wouldn't tell Gary because I feel like he would be quiet after I told him. Because I'd say, Gary, he's... this one time in 2000, <laughs> I paid for sex. And then he would just look at me. Never the same again. And then nothing. <laughs> and whereas if you had told me that story, yeah, I would talk perhaps about it. want some yeah. details. Well, how do you feel about that? Right. right? And, uh, and would, was he hot? Yeah, was he hot? Yeah. That was the first thing I'd go with. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that fun? So actually, I think you've described me and Gary perfectly. So people who are compassionate and assertive, that's how I consider myself. Like I really care about people, yeah. but I'm very assertive too are more likely to be confided to with secrets than people who are polite Mm. and enthusiastic. Interesting. Because they're those rule followers and you're worried about being judged. And how much of it is an expectation of quid pro quo, where I would tell you a secret in expectation that you would also tell me something? Well, exactly. So compassionate extroverts who are assertive also tend to be open about themselves. And that's how you gain trust and intimacy is you're open about them yourselves. But if you're a perfect person, who wants to confide in a perfect person? 
boring. Yeah. Because that's where the judgment comes. Right. right. Exactly. Uh, John, if you had had <laughs> sex with a prostitute, who would you tell? <laughs> who would you uh, trust with the secret? What kind of person? If I had sex with a prostitute, yeah. boy, this, this is one of those where all answers are wrong. <laughs> like every answer would get me in trouble. I just sensed this. Uh, it's very smart. It's probably just one friend I'd tell. Yeah. Yeah. And is, t- is your friend compassionate? Uh, not, not judgmental. No, I think he goes to prostitutes. Oh, uh, <laughs> so it would be fine. That's right. You pick yeah. somebody who's already been there. I, <laughs> so I, I made that so up. So that I the strongest know. reaction would just be a shoulder shrug. Yeah, like, just, uh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, guys don't care about that stuff very much. That's true. That's so true. <laughs> now, if you ask me which woman I would tell, yeah. that would be now, much, That's a minefield. Uh, yeah, that, really. You could totally tell me. I always, you could tell me. I'm I, compassionate uh, and assertive. That's I, the best person to get by. And you not, both have radio shows. I, am, <laughs> <laughs> I would never judge. She might well, spill you, the beans, but she would never judge. Well, if important. that comes up uh, soon, I'll, I'll let you know. You. Okay. She would retell the story in a compassionate way. So, <laughs> so far, there's nothing on the calendar this okay. month. So, uh, What do you guys have coming up today? Oh, uh, one of the things that have bugged me uh, about the road diets, you know, stripping the road lanes off for bike lanes, is I didn't understand why there were so many politicians so passionately for this and why these bike organizations were so well organized. Because these cyclists, they don't really have day jobs or anything. Well, it turns out there's a billionaire who's financing all the bike groups in L.A. and spending lots of money on the local politicians who've been leading the charge. A billionaire, and he's spending millions of dollars. So basically, you know, these are legal bribes that's got everyone whipped up at the meetings to convince politicians to to close down the road lanes. And they all show up in their clippy-cloppy little shoes. Yeah, and their, and their, their, and... their silly spandex uniforms. But I, I didn't understand where they were. Because you never have influence in politics without money. And how could these bikes, bicyclists have any money? Well, they didn't, but they had a billionaire who's a nut. And so, we're where do you ex- make his money? What industry? Hedge fund. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. hedge fund out of New York. All right, we'll reveal the name later in the show. John and Ken, and their war next. on Lycra. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> stay dry, everybody. Tune in next week for the hilarious funeral episode on Gary and Shannon.